itself has its own energy or life force if you will its natural environment is in the home so why don't you send him home his bags are packed he's got his airplane tickets bring him to the airport send him home this week this this week on the superstars of wrestling you to join us will be will be elizabeth in the interview that was conducted last sunday night you will see it in its entirety. Plus, to join us as well, Rowdy Roddy Piper versus Shawn Michaels. We'll see Sid Justice and Hercules go at it. Shake the Snake Roberts is here. And as we said earlier, this week as well, a special video tribute to Hulk Hogan. We welcome back to the show today, regular guest host Mark Dunnerdale and Stuart Roberts. How are you doing, chap? Both enthusiastic, enthusiastically shout at once. I'm very well. Uh, really good. Yeah, looking forward to this. So, uh, good. So, yeah. Good. So, we are now deep, deep inside the 12 days of Pro Wrestling Moments. I very much hope you're enjoying this series. Um, we're back today for show four of our new show called Go Home. And this is covering the April the 4th, 1992 episode of WWF Superstars that aired in most markets the day before WrestleMania 8. Now, Stu, first, is this your first WrestleMania that you can remember watching at the time? So this is this is one no, later Re- or one earlier? No, WrestleMania 9 was my okay. first WrestleMania that I watched. So, um, But obviously, grew into wrestling really through 92 and stuff like that. So, um, um, But I have to say, WrestleMania 8 is one of my favourite WrestleManias. Ah, it's a very good and always one. has been. Yeah, yeah. Mark, yeah. what about you? Is this your first or second? Or yeah, or, yeah. We so got you... Sky TV in the summer of '91, so I was ah, okay. I was fully on board by this point going into WrestleMania. Excellent. What I should have started um, this podcast with, given that this show is out on the 31st of December, is how are both your Christmases? Now yeah, mine was rough. <laughs> Why was it rough? <laughs> Oh, there's too much to go into, but oh, you won't believe some of it, especially Boxing Day. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm really, really sorry to hear that. How about you, Stu? Uh, yeah, my my Christmas was was good. Um, yeah, um, yeah, uh, but best not talking about festive football. So because we're just Norwich are just rubbish. So we'll we'll get over that. Um, but yeah, no, good Christmas, and uh, yeah, looking forward to. Uh, Quite glad to see the back of this year, actually, if I'm being brutally honest. Okay, it's okay. A, it's been a bit of an up and down year. So, uh, well, I'm so, yeah, sorry to hear that, Stu. It's all got to be. No, no, uh, it's, just been, yeah. it's just been, yeah, it's just been one of them years, isn't it, really? So, um, so yeah, so looking forward to 24 and all the joys that that's going to bring. So, uh, so Absolutely. Yeah. And this is the last time you hear our voices uh, this year. Um, but, yes, yeah, so we'll, we'll move forward. I was going to say, oh, yeah, my favourite part of Christmas is when Fulham smashed Bournemouth 5-0 on Boxing Day and quite a shock result at, um, at Bournemouth's ground. So, uh, moving forward, Mr. Perfect and Vincent Marmel on the commentary stage. And Perfect was talking about how the centrefold of, of Elizabeth uh, they were going to reveal on Sunday. And I thought, what a thoroughly unsavoury storyline for a kids' TV show this was. Uh, they hyped an interview with Elizabeth. We had Shawn Michaels versus Roddy Piper to come. Sid Justice versus Hercules. Jake Roberts and a tribute to Hulk Hogan, who they were heavily teasing was going to be retiring the next day. Um, so, Mark, you go first. What do you think of the opening of the show? Yeah, I mean, the the overriding thing looking at it with 2023 eyes was the unpleasantness of the uh, storyline. Um, but I, I remember at the time being dissatisfied with it um, in that, well, after you the- wanted to see that centerfold, didn't you, dirty <laughs> bastard? <laughs> well, well, yes, I'm not going to deny that. But um, it was Mr. Perfect teasing doing something huge at WrestleMania, which, uh, spoiler for those who are 31 years behind, he didn't follow through with. And then they had the audacity to have him do the exact same thing for the very next pay per view when he was teasing whose corner he's going to be in at SummerSlam. And oh, yeah. he, wasn't in, he wasn't in either person's corner. No. So 
Larry let down, uh, Mr. Perfect. Bloody tease. What did you think of the open shoe? Yeah, yeah, not really a lot else to add like that. I, 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 I like Mr. Perfect. I always have done. So, um, it was, it was good to see him on, on, on co-coms, but, um, but yeah, it was a bit of a revolving door story. And of course, we we're in the era then, weren't we? Of only like four pay-per-views in, mm. in the year, weren't it? So, you know, you had to have that that build to, you know, that that's going to last three months. But this storyline sort of like, well, it, I, I, it almost like rumbled on a year, really, didn't it? If you think when you get through to SummerSlam and then what happened at Survivor Series that year as well and moving into moving into 93 as well, it was... Uh, it was a year-long storyline, wasn't it? But With very perfect savage and flair. evolved around perfect. Yeah, throughout the whole, right through to like the 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 raw match they had with Flair in in January of that year, loser leaves and all that sort of thing. So it really was a dominant storyline for Perfect that year, without him doing a huge amount of wrestling either. So uh, no, so, no. Yeah. I remember this was the last year they did four pay-per-views, but I remember the the gap between um, WrestleMania and SummerSlam was the longest, and it always mm. felt a really long time as well, some of those kind of yeah. dead summer months. In, in the previous years, that had some fairly big storylines that didn't go to pay-per-view. Like They had the whole Ultimate Warrior Jake the Snake storyline in 91, yeah. which was finished by the time... Sorry, that was after SummerSlam, but that was out of the way by the time Survivor Series come round. And... Um, well, obviously, due to Warrior leaving, but they did the same a couple of years. It's such a long gap, like you said, and um, they can't just build to the next pay-per-view if it's three or four months away. No, I seem to remember, perhaps even the year afterwards, even with King of the Ring in there, they did Undertaker and Yokozuna maybe one year during the summer, and then they didn't do it at a pay-per-view, I, I believe. I think I'm right in thinking that. Maybe that was pre-Lex Express. Perhaps that was what was going on on TV while that was all happening, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, because it can't have been the following year because he'd lost the title by then, didn't he? So, um, yeah. yeah, and then they played it played it off at the 94 Royal Rumble, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure I think um, at WrestleMania 9, it was Undertaker, Giant Gonzalez. Oh, and then I think um, Undertaker moved on after that, did some other stuff. But then by SummerSlam, they had a rematch because I guess whatever Undertaker had lined up fell through. I think you might be right about the Yokozuna thing there. Yeah, the, uh, the, Le- the Lex Express. Yeah, the, the Lex Express was um, uh, was the summer of '93 because it was like I remember that vignette about him sort of like touring all around the touring all around the country, the good old uh, uh, American hero, all, all off the back of the. Um, uh, Independence Day uh, body slam challenge, yeah, wasn't it? So we'll get to that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we will. Sorry, we will get to that. We will get to that. Uh, right. Uh, the British Bulldog Club was in action first, going up against the epic challenger Brad Avery, and no relation to Stephen Avery of Making a Murder of Fame. Have either of you seen that on Netflix? Yeah, I watched that. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Stu? No, highly, no, highly, re- highly recommend it. Um, we, we've we've just started watching Squid Game: The Challenge. Oh so, yeah, uh, yeah, we have as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's, so. it's very good. Um, though apparently a lot of people got injured and we're very upset with the conditions on uh on set yeah that. they're suing so, aren't they being sued aren't they or something yes. like that for yeah yeah so um indeed uh perfect went on more about staring at the elizabeth photo um which was perfect other than the staple in it but man called it creepy uh which was odd as he was the one sanctioning this bizarre story uh vince said liz had documented proof she hadn't been with flair before randy Bulldog hit all his trademark staff and won, while neither commentator spoke about it at all. Um, anything to add on the match here, Stu, and, and the commentary as I touched <laughs> that's on? Exact, that's exactly what I wrote. The commentary hardly talked about the match. <laughs> no. It was like it wasn't even there. So, um, so no, nothing to add on, uh, nothing to, to add on the match. I was just trying to get my head around um, um, the, the Bulldog and stuff like that, and when when did he leave WWF that year? Obviously, we had the build to SummerSlam '92. When did he when did he leave to go back to WCW? Well, he got fired around the same time as the Warrior, very close to the Survivor Series. Series because the, it was the match with Shawn Michaels, where he yeah. dropped the title, came about with only I think a week or two's build yeah. because he was on his way out the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So yeah, but sorry, digress there again. But yeah, but no, not a lot really to add to that match apart from the fact, like you say, they they never even talked about it. So no. um, so yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, being, being specific, um, the first time Vince mentioned anything that happened in the ring was during the replay after the match, where he said, "There you see the big power slam by David Boy on his way to WrestleMania," which he wasn't. But more on that later. Um, but this was yeah, the pre Monday Night War years when 
most TV matches were just squashes where the established superstars would quickly and easily beat the enhancement guys. Um, and it went just over a minute and Bulldog went through his usual squash match routine, which was a couple of power moves and that beautiful stalling suplex he used to do, which I, I love seeing how long he could hold a guy up in there. And then the power slam and all that was plenty good enough for us to lap up in 92 before uh, things changed. Yes. Update from the page of the WF magazine in association with the WrestleMania Hot 8 hotline with Mean Gene. Uh, this show also aired live on television in the UK. And I believe this was the second WrestleMania to air live in the UK because WrestleMania 6 was the first. Uh, WrestleMania 7 did not air live. Um, we cut to a very somber Vincent Mann with Liz. Liz said two weeks ago when he wasn't there... When, sorry, two weeks ago when he was there, she couldn't speak because she was too numb. But now she's angry. WRF magazine gave credibility to a man like Ric Flair and published a completely untrue article. And they had proof. And Randy was on his way to headquarters with the original negatives. She couldn't believe that someone like Ric Flair had been taken at face value. Vince asked, are you saying that though in those photos that show Rick with Elizabeth in the originals, it's actually Randy? Liz said yes. She didn't know he'd, that he'd done it. And she can't believe they published them. Vince asked if Liz felt her reputation had been besmirched, and she said yes. People are looking at them different differently now. Vince then, with a horrible undertone, said, Are you different, Liz? In a type of voice I dread to think in what sort of situations he's used before. Liz said she thought she probably was a bit different, but what's more important is the idea this could happen to anyone, that Flair could make up these lies and these people believe him. Vince kept up the creepiness and asked if she felt vulnerable. She agreed that she did feel vulnerable. Vince asked her if she could wave a magic wand and be vindicated. She said that would happen when the magazine printed the real photos, but there would always be a nagging in her mind that people believed that it had happened. Vince then asked her if she felt she'd been scarred for life, and she said she had. I thought Liz performed really well in this, but listening to Vince was so horribly jarring. Um, before we move on to the next bit of the segment, Mark, what did you make of this interview of Elizabeth? Um, I agree. She she was very good. I, I didn't really notice a lot of what she was saying because I was transfixed on her beautiful face. <laughs> and um, I, I mean, well, I've said it before on this podcast, and I'll say it again. She's the most beautiful woman wrestling's ever had on screen. Uh, useless as a manager, of course, but very, very beautiful. Uh, it struck me in the very first frame of of this interview. Vince and his gigantic shoulders were squeezed into a fairly small chair there <laughs> Randy and Liz's alleged uh, living room. Um, but yeah, one part that interested me was she was wondering out loud how Flair had got possession of what she said were personal photographs of her and Randy. And then he went on to Photoshop them. And because um, I thought it was it was maybe pre-released photos of Randy and Liz that they got hold of, but these mm. are private things. And that was another detail in this story that they never got around to uh, explaining. I guess all of this was because it was. I think for a long time it was it was Flair and Hogan, and, you, and we've all heard over the years various reasons as to why that match didn't happen. And I've you've, I think the party line from Bruce Pritchard on something to wrestle was that the um, the house show run didn't draw that well. But I think that's a nonsense. The reason they didn't do Flair and Hogan at WrestleMania Eight is because Hogan was going. And there's no finish. There's no finish to that match because you can't have Flair beat him. So that's the reason that, as far as I'm concerned, has always been the reason they didn't do it. So this was kind of thrown together. I'm sure you remember, Mark, watching at the time. They had the press conference and they announced the Hogan match. And yeah, the match the graphic and everything was there. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I'm sure they were good. They, that was the original plan. Um, Stu, what did you think of Liz here? I thought she was great. Yeah. <laughs> I, couldn't, I, I, I sort of like lost the detail because, like I say, I think, Vince sort of like I, I was too focused on being annoyed by Vince I think to probably really appreciate that that segment but um but yeah I I liked it and, and like Mark said she she was just one of the best so uh absolute best so yeah she's the sort of lady that deserves to be the perfect temperature at all times um, or deserve to be the perfect temperature all the times. Um, Gene said he'd never believed it, but it felt so much better to hear it from Liz. Savage had put together a hit list, including Flair, Perfect, and the editor of the WF magazine. Um, after the break, we had Tatanka and Vince was still on this subject, saying to Perfect, does he expect the world not to believe Elizabeth? And then Perfect accused Savage of taking a month to edit the photos, which is a fair point. 
And Tatonka's opponent here wasn't named, and he had a bizarre pair of white long trunks and a thong back on back and front. So weird. Um, Howard Finkel then did a voiceover for the April 26th live show at Boston Garden. We got an inset promo with Rick Martel, which, who was Tatonka's opponent at WrestleMania. He said Tatonka had no class and not much else. And then we finally got the opponent's name, and that was Sandy Beach. Sandy Beach, what an absolute legend. Um, Tatonka won this with a fallaway slam. Uh, Stu, th- uh, first thoughts on this Tatonka versus future Wrestling Observer Hall of Famer, Sandy Beach. Sandy Beach. Surely the best wrestling name ever, really. Honestly, <laughs> just just pure class. Um, yeah, I mean, it, uh, again, not a lot really to, to write home about, but obviously this was the uh, um, this was the start of Tatonka's uh and, and we'll probably talk about that more as we move into to to WrestleMania 9, his his long undefeated streak. Cause that was a bit of a thing at the time, wasn't it? It was a bit yeah. of a big, you know, for him to go um pretty much what, probably what, 15, 16 months unbeaten, um, um was 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 a hell of a, you know, a hell of a, a thing to take. Um you, you know, risk to take with someone like that. But uh, but yeah, I mean the match was that the match was fine. And and you and I, I just forget, you know, like um I'd forgotten like about Rick Martel and stuff like that. And he but he was still very active going into going into ninety three as well, wasn't he? He was still busy on 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 the pay-per-views and stuff like that so um so yeah so, so not a lot really to write around apart from the crowd were the crowd were really behind Tatonka and um yeah and you can probably see why they took that pun on that long undefeated streak indeed I suspect you might be about to say this Mark but this match didn't happen at WrestleMania did it Tatonka yeah yeah it, it did, did happen yeah. it did it happen. Was okay. short it was if I remember right no, it was quite it was... a short match Bulldog and Berserker was Good. the match that didn't happen. I it see was... I got okay. cut into it yeah yeah so what? Yeah, what did you think of Tatonka here and the Martel promo? Uh, well, first of all, let's put some respect on the name of Sandy Beach. Um, he <laughs> wrestled a fair bit in All Japan Pro Wrestling Blimey. in the 80s and into the 90s, often in tag team matches alongside Johnny Ace. Um, Bloody hell. That's a bit nuts, isn't it? Yeah, yeah so he wasn't just some uh, some job off WWE. Um, yeah, Tatanka, like Stu said, he was really over with the crowd here. Everyone was doing the Tomahawk chop hand gesture as he come to the ring and through the match. Um, yeah, that Fink voiceover mid-match advertising the house show. Uh, the house show took place on April 26th, 1992, which was my mum's 40th birthday. And Happy I thought birthday. I'd, check, I'd check the archives and see whether that show was a good one. Uh, Ultimate Warrior versus Sid Justice was the main event. So mm. I'm guessing, no, probably not a good one. <laughs> I suspect that wasn't a big work rate encounter. Um, we got a shot of the w- WBF magazine. I can't imagine anyone buying that. Uh, and then we got a clip from MSG Network with Sid Justice and Hercules. Sid offered Hercules a chance to walk out on the match, uh, but then the match was on. So this was a rare arena match, a rare house show match on the WF Superstar Show, which I don't remember at all from back then. You used to get this on primetime wrestling, but I don't think, well, not from, from my memory, didn't get much of this on Superstars. Um just when I thought I should probably get my stopwatch out for it, it was over with Justice landing approximately seven strikes before smashing him with a power bomb and pinning Hercules inside 40 seconds. And bizarrely, Herc got straight up after the pinfall. And perhaps he was not a fan of Mr. Udi. Uh, Stu, what did you think of this? <laughs> um, I was surprised, actually, it was that much of a squash, to be honest with you, because, mm. you know, Hercules, big, big dude, isn't he? And stuff like that. You think he might have put up some sort of um some sort of offense but obviously very much designed to protect justice going into into wrestlemania but um yeah um there's not really a lot to say is there no really? not really you not can't really. really say much on 40 seconds can you but give me um, 500 words on this 40 second match. yeah i'd have I, i'd have expected a little bit more but um but yeah mark uh, there was a combination of things that made me think something was up um like you said it was a quick squash and Hercules did get up straight after the thing and walked off. And they all seemed like signs to me of uh, someone on the way out of the company. So I I don't remember him appearing after um, around this time. So I checked the records and sure enough, this was Hercules' last ever WWE appearance. Uh, it was taped back in February and he had debuted with WCW three weeks after this aired uh, as the Super Invader. Mm. Uh, and which was an awful gimmick, which really needs to be seen to be believed. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Sid's powerbomb variation, where he drops to his knees at the moment of impact, I thought that was a nice 
uh, version of the move, uh, a bit different from the knob. Indeed, but perhaps not so good on his uh, knees. I'm sure that didn't serve yeah, well. Didn't do it very often. No, when softball season came around. Um, event centre was Sean Mooney. He talked about IRS and Ted DiBiase versus the Natural Disasters, and the latter did a very shouty promo. They said the champions were going to lose everything on Sunday, and there was nothing they could do about it. And Typhoon, Typhoon, Ty, that's his cousin, his female cousin, Typhoon, called Jimmy Hart a cockroach. Uh, Jake Roberts was next. <laughs> a little promo on the Undertaker. He said he'd never said he said he'd never said that he performed various miracles, but he'd never tried. He wasn't there to cure his soul. And he said what he was going to do at WrestleMania was just for him. Trust me, trust me. Bearer told Roberts that when he arrived in Indianapolis, it might be by first class air, but he would leave in a casket. And Undertaker added a bit more and said, rest in peace. And Mark, what do you think of this little section in the promos here? Uh, natural disasters. So Earthquake was 28 years old. Oh my God. Uh, to put that into perspective, he's the same age there as Tony Storm is right now. That is insane. Uh, and... Uh, Typhoon was evidently a big fan of the clasp your hands together, point at the camera and repeat method of delivering promos. And then, um, yeah, it was a pre-born again Jake Roberts uh, seemed to be wondering out loud whether he might actually be Jesus. I, <laughs> I think we confirm that Jake Roberts is not Jesus Christ. Uh, Stu? Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I got a bit about the cock, the cocker, the cockroach or whatever it was. So, um uh, I mean, I always, I, I, you know, bizarrely, I mean, the promos there were very, um, just very what you'd expect. They get the, they get the key lines out, don't they? And, and, and they move on. So there, so there wasn't much of them. As a tag team, I always liked the natural disasters. I just, I just thought they, they, they work well together. Um, Jake, Jake the Snake, obviously great promo guy, but that, that match at WrestleMania eight for me was the most disappointing of all the matches on the card because it was so short. I think it was only like five, six. It wasn't a long match, if you know what I mean. And yeah, I, I, that was the match that disappointed me the most. I expected a lot more from that one. So, because um, I think it ended up, didn't it? I think most of the time, up, you know, a good couple of minutes were spent outside the ring as well, weren't they? So, um, yeah, so, you, you know, but Jake the Snake, great, great promo guy, obviously. But um, but yeah, I think their match left, uh, left a lot to be desired. But there you go. Jake had been fired by that point, had he? Yeah, that was his last match. He was yeah. he was gone after the WrestleMania. Yeah, so that maybe maybe has something to do with it. And the t- it was a tombstone on the outside of the ring, and he rolled him back in, it wasn't was. it? I think, which is a bit yeah. weird. Uh, we then joined Roddy Piper versus Shawn Michaels from the March to WrestleMania show in progress with Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan on commentary. Monsoon said Piper planted one on the old Schnozola. Schnozola? Is that what they said? Which I presume meant nose. Sean absolutely bumped his rear off until they bumped the referee on on a Piper attempted bulldog. Sherry, who was with Sean, took her boot off and Michaels levelled Piper with it, but the ref was still down. Bret Hart then jogged out, threw the boot into uh, the hot rod, but he swang and missed for the loss by DQ, which is an interesting one. Piper then got in Hart's face and told him he got DQ'd and to stay out of his life. Um, Brett looked particularly young and handsome here. The hitman grabbed the icy title from the timekeeper and just tossed it in the ring. I quite enjoyed this. Some decent action, and it built more turmoil between the challenger and the champion. Stu, what did you think of the the in-progress Michaels versus Piper? Yeah, this was a real this was a real treat, actually, So because it had been a long time since I'd, I'd, I'd seen that. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, and Piper, Piper, you know, Piper was still still great, I thought, at that, at that time. I think right up until... He left WWF. He could still deliver. Um, I think matches in WCW probably leave a lot to be a lot to be desired and stuff like that. But it was just a bit of an all action. Every there was everything going off, weren't there? You know, with Sherry and and then Bret Hart coming out and really building to that to that uh, IC title match as well. Um, you know, I, I like the bit at the end where Hart just throws the he just literally launched the title at him, didn't he? At the end of yeah. the end of the match and stuff like that. So um, and um, and and yeah and and. They delivered uh, uh, in their WrestleMania match. I think we can perhaps gloss over how Piper came out to the ring. I think probably that's probably a good thing to to do that because wasn't he? No, he no, his... no. WrestleMania six that was. Was it? Yeah, I thought WrestleMania. I thought no, WrestleMania he did against Bad News Brown. Yeah, it wouldn't have made uh... a lot of sense against Bret Hart unless he <laughs> unless maybe he painted half his body of the Canadian oh, flag. Perhaps, well, but... anyway. <laughs> anyway, that's fine. That's fine. But that uh, is also they... not on. That is on, not on the network anymore. By the way, that match. Oh, oh interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, 
but uh, but yeah yeah but their match well and truly delivered at uh at, at wrestlemania eight for me one of the uh you know probably my second favorite match on the card yeah, and for for each other, Mark, I think it's talking about the WWE stuff. Just think about what Roddy Piper's life and his career was like. I know he had a, a break between what eighty seven and I suppose he wrestled maybe a bit in ninety. I think maybe yeah, he was wrestling by ninety, was he? Perhaps nineteen ninety. Yeah, Don't yeah WrestleMania six was nineteen ninety, wasn't it? So he yeah. came back for a ravishing Rick Rude run, which I think was eighty nine into eighty nine ninety. So I mean, hit the, the miles on his body. The, all the drugs, the steroids, the recreational drugs. It's not like the 40-year-olds in WWE now who have had still a hard schedule, but not what the guys were doing in the 80s. And, and that's why these guys were so broken down when, you know, Punk is 45. I know you missed 10 years, but he, you know, his, his match at Wembley was one of the highlights. You look at you look at other people like Finn Balor, look at, look at the body on that. And he's still, you know, very, very, so, you know, compare Finn Balor at 44 versus Hulk Hogan at 44. Crikey, it's mm. night and day, isn't it? So... I, do I didn't think... even I, I didn't even clock that Damien Priest is forty one. That that's really, really yeah that really yeah because yeah, they were saying like Priest and Orton. There's like three years between them or something like that. You know that yeah. that really like wow God. I think the guys just look after themselves are quite a bit better mm. um, these days. Uh, Mark, what do you think about Sean and Piper? Well, with us joining in progress, the the very first move we saw was Sean's famous super kick, but it, I'd, I had forgotten that it was a mid match move in 1992 rather mm. than the end-of-match finisher that it would eventually become. Uh, Sensational Sherry was the polar opposite of Miss Elizabeth in terms of usefulness as a manager at ringside. Um, Yeah, she threw a boot into the ring at one point. And Bobby Heenan, who's always a treat on commentary, said, uh, you've heard of lending somebody a hand. This is lending him a foot. It's the same thing. (laughs) And, um, yeah, Piper was disqualified not for using a boot, but for attempting to use it and missing so that was an odd finish to the match. Which but, I think should be a DQ still, should it not? If you um, try and shoot someone in a match but miss, that's still a DQ, I would say. I think so. When you put it like that, yeah, all right. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I thought when Brett came out, this was a really clever way of creating tension between two good guys who you don't want to you don't want to boo either man. So you've got the challenger coming out to even the odds against a bad guy who's got an interfering manager. But Brett's help backfired, leading to Piper losing the match and he blamed Brett for the loss. So neither man's done anything heelish or bad guy style, but the tensions are there. I liked uh, how they did that. Indeed. Mean Gene, another WrestleMania report. Make that call right now. He talks about the double main event. Gene was then shown at an airport next to a small private plane and Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect turned up. Gene said Liz had publicly denied the allegations. Perfect said, how long can you possibly go? Flair said something about Liz running around in sewers, called her a Jezebel, and said he remembered when Liz was so proud that she'd ridden Space Mountain, how she'd always wanted to be on his arm as they rode limousines and private jets, and she wants back in. And he said, no way, baby. Flair said the picture's being denied after a month, which is like Jack Tunney and his belt trying to deny it happened. Um, he then talks about the final surprise, the centrefold, and later called her damaged goods and did some woos getting on the plane. Um, if you put the subject matter to one side, I have to say this was absolutely vintage stuff from Flair, uh, and it translates into a rabid atmosphere, um, but just didn't do all that well at the bo- uh, in terms of pay-per-view numbers for the forthcoming WrestleMania, which only drew 360,000. It's the lowest uh, pay-per-view number since WrestleMania 2, which was in a hugely decreased pay-per-view universe. Um, what obviously wasn't mentioned on this show was that the WWF was deep, as deep as it got in scandal the week of WrestleMania, um, with Geraldo, Geraldo, is that how you say it? You know what? Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, and other talk shows air- airing focusing on steroids and and far more unsavory matches. I'm sure had a big in- big impact also. Uh, Mark, what did you think of Flair and this this WrestleMania report here? Uh, I thought in the introduction at the start of the episode they were pretty clever in how they presented what was a very adult storyline in a PG way, uh, the way Mister Perfect was talking. But this promo, I think they were sailing a bit closer to the wind. Where uh, Flair was claiming he received 10,000 letters a week from people asking, is she really that hot? And what does she <laughs> really look like? Oh, my God. Uh, that sort of thing. Um, he, Flair referred to Miss Elizabeth as runaround Sue at one point. And already in 1992, that was a 30-year-old reference. Because there was wow. a famous song called Runaround Sue, Sue, released back in 1961. Uh, if, like me, you don't recognise the name, uh, I did look it up on YouTube and it's got a fairly familiar tune. It's the sort of song you might hear when you're sat in a Frankie and Benny's. 
I think that is going to be the song that closes. I was going to do Christmas number ones from the year, but the Christmas number one for 1992 in the UK was "I Will Always Love You" by Whitney Houston. So I'm Oof. not, I'm not sure I'm going to do that. So yeah, run around Sue. You'll be hearing that at the end. Uh, anything to add, Mark, on that? No, that's that. Good stuff. Great, uh, Stu. What do you think? Yeah, it was like you say, classic, classic, classic Flair promo. Um, you know how 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 can you ever not be? Uh, great to hear about riding space mountain i could listen to that countless times so uh so yeah um yeah just it, it just annoys me all the woos at the end but there you go that's just a, a minor a minor thing but yeah yeah good good promo and 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 and, and really set up for you know that 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 storyline was was you know it was just hot really wasn't it, it was it was a really hot storyline and and i always think it's a you know i know as as Savage moved through into '93, he was not in the ring as much and stuff like that, which I, I just think is a real shame because I think he had so much more Big still time. to offer. Do you know what I mean? And I think, um, you know, it was it was a shame, really. But then obviously he he went to WCW and and and, and smashed it out of the park. But I just think he could have he had so much more to give. You, you, they had to do so in an in an alternative universe. And we'll talk about WrestleMania 9 on our next show, which will be out in a couple of days' time, I think. I think we've got another another special tomorrow, which I've forgotten what it is. Um, Brett should have beaten Yokozuna at WrestleMania 9. He should have retained the title. That did well on pay-per-view. And I really don't believe it was because of Hogan. I think it was because of something new. And I think in 93, you do Savage turning on Brett. And you do Brett as the babyface against Savage. That is money all day long. Savage was a phenomenal heel. And I just think... Talked about this quite a lot on Random Wrestling Review, and Ben Ben is um, as interested in it as I am. Around just Vince was all over the place in the booking around this time. Like from this point onwards, actually, this this was kind of fairly stable. But from really the title switches at the end of '92 with uh, Randy to, Randy to Flair to Brett. And then on from there, it was all over the place. He didn't want to beat anyone. He did lots of DQ finishes on pay per view. He didn't he, like. He just didn't really get behind anyone the way that he would do later with people like mm-hmm. Michaels. Michael, he gave the, the title to Michaels. He straight away beats Diesel and he, he beats Vader later in the year. You know, and he and he and he, but he never really he never gave that to Brett. Um, and it's really frustrating what what but could have you, been if- really. If you remember though, going into going in, so so they had the Survivor Series match, didn't they? And then going into going into ninety three, Savage was the last person out of the the, the oh, Rumble. Right. He was a, yeah. he was the first one to knock or first one to knock Yokozuna off his feet yeah. and stuff like that. He then had that match, didn't he, with Yokozuna? I think going into around February time. Yeah. So he was he was still, I think, a hot hot property but then all of a sudden it all just stopped and then he was just on color commentary and 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 yeah there's always been rumors that vince thought he was too old yes it turned 40 but i mean the the year before that this is like yesterday Stu going into 93 he was pretty much done in ring but i mean in 92 flair who's three years older was world champion so or backland i don't see it all those oh, matches yeah, with Bret yeah. Hart. It doesn't make any sense. This is the thing. It doesn't make none of it makes any sense. Randy Savage in '94, uh, and we will talk. Be talking about the '94 uh, WrestleMania as well. On the, I think on a on a on a it was on a Raw actually rather than Road to WrestleMania. He had a championship match versus Yokozuna, and the crowd was yeah. electric for him. That is, an, that, if you if you're looking to have a 20 minutes of great wrestling presentation, it's the opening match on some something of March the something 1994. Go and find that because Savage had a lot of value still. And as you say, he was still very popular in WCW, both sides of the coin as a babyface and then later as a heel. Yeah. But the crowd, you know, they might. I mean, the matches were, were all right. You know, the match against Flair were, eight was all right. The match against the Warriors, at Summerslam. Oh, I think eight was very good, actually. Was was all right, but it's because the it, it felt great because the crowd was so invested yeah. into him, weren't they? Still, yeah. and I and yeah, whether that was a, whether that was his, I don't know whether that was his decision. He wanted to eat right. You, you, no, it's Vince's. I, I never got that. You know, I always heard that Savage wanted to wrestle more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And stuff like that, and he could still have. Great, great matches, you know, and and you know, like that against. I remember the Royal Rumble at the end when he was with Yokozuna. It was just, it was just a, it was off the chart the noise and stuff like that yeah. when he was watching it and stuff. But yeah, so anyway, sorry to bring that it, all back round. No, no, it's all good. I think if you look on Cage Match, Savage was working a lot of house shows during this time as well. He wasn't, he wasn't a featured character on TV. He was a commentator on TV. So yeah, it's all very, very strange. And I wonder, Vince 
obviously as Vince got older and we're all that place now like you I think if you know I remember I've said this on the podcast numerous times Hulk Hogan was 39 at King of the Ring 93 and I remember thinking this guy's too old now we're you know I'm 42 you guys are mid 40s um well all mid 40s I suppose aren't we really but you know it's just rub it in go on rub it in a bit more no no we're all you know I I consider us I know we're not the same age but I see us in the same age bracket but um yeah I just I don't see that as old now because you and I guess that's the Vinceism when he was I don't know is is Vince older than Hogan I can't remember is he uh, is he about the same yeah, age I think so I think it's a little bit older, older. Yeah, so he but older. for whatever reason when but that I'm that, I'm, I'm almost arguing against myself then because when he was actually more comparable with that age he did see it as older for some reason but when he got older he didn't see it so much yeah. but yeah it's just a strange one. Uh, moving on, we got a promo from Slaughter, Virgil, Bossman, and Duggan. Um, did that match happen on the pay per view? That eight man, yeah, yeah it was that, that did happen. Long, but yeah, yeah, they did it. Like that was on the, in the show, I think. With the Ray Coombs guy came out, did he? Yeah, that? the Family Feud host. Yeah, uh, was yeah. Uh, I, thought, I think it was sandwiched in between Piper and and um, Macho Man. Macho. I, yeah, it right, a, yeah. I, I thought it was a bit of a filler. It was a bit of a filler, wasn't it? To get from yeah. Uh, they then pushed El Matador, Tito Santana versus Shawn Michaels. Michael said Santana offered no threat to him and he was interested in the winner of the IC title match. What a way to build this. Santana said talk was cheap. El Matador was going to put all of his plans to an end. Uh, then we got a quick rundown of some of the other matches that we've mostly already touched upon. Uh, Reba McIntyre would be singing America the Beautiful. And we got a little video on her. Um, then the other half of the double main event, Sid Justice versus Hulk Hogan and a Justice promo with Harvey Whipperman. Justice wondered what Hogan was doing, sitting at the edge of his bed and waiting to throw up as he was scared of him. And he said this like he was massively constipated. Um, Sid joked about it being Hogan's last match and said it wouldn't be a tribute; it would be a farewell party. I didn't, which I didn't really understand. And then he would uh, that he would end and he would end Hulkamania because he rules the world. We also once ahead once uh, we also once ahead. We also once again had a little warning about the clocks going ahead this weekend, so no one missed the start of WrestleMania. Stu, what do you think of these promos here? Um, yeah, I quite like I quite like Sid's, Sid's, Sid's promo. He went through a variety variety of emotions throughout the uh, throughout it, and I almost thought he channeled a little bit of Macho Man at one point. So um, where he was really like um, emphasizing certain words, like I think he talked about fear and stuff like that. So. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was yeah, it was it was a good promo. Um, set the scene for the match and stuff like that. But yeah, Sid again, I thought was always it was always good on on in that sort of thing. A bit bit Jake the Snake esque, really, but um, in the ring maybe slightly different. So uh, yeah, but it worked for me. Mark, yeah, I thought I thought it was interesting that Sean was already looking past his WrestleMania opponent, um, saying he was more interested in who's going to win the Intercontinental Title match, so because he wanted the next shot after WrestleMania. Um, and he did get what he asked for because the week after WrestleMania, they went on the European tour and it was Sean versus Brett for the title all the way through April, May, June and July. Interesting. On the shows. Uh, that all led to the end of July. They faced off in WWF's first ever ladder match, um, which wasn't televised at the time. It was a house show match, uh, but it has been included in full on a few different WWE DVD releases over the years since then. Um yeah, Tito Santana didn't say anything of note, obviously. Uh, well, I'd say obviously, but I don't... Can you remember any Tito Santana promo? No, no. Um, Olé. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, good line. Um, but Sid Justice, I mean, I don't really agree with Stu saying about his delivery. I, I, he's one of those wrestlers that I never got. I didn't like him in the ring. I didn't like his promos. I didn't like anything about Sid Justice. And, and he's become a bit of a comedy character now for fluffing lines in promos, mm. like he did the famous wanting to start over uh, a promo in WWE where we're live pal. on TV. <laughs> and um, the famous Kevin Nash one on an episode of Monday Nitro where he told him, I have half the brain that you do, uh, <laughs> like he was insulting Nash. But um, he did one of his classic promo botches here, which you didn't mention there, Steve. He said, um, while Hogan was probably in his hotel room wanting to throw up with fear, that's, and I quote, because you are feared of me. <laughs> Amazing. Sid, I've got a question for you. We all know that you can bring the heavy offense, but there are a lot of skeptics that think that perhaps you can't take it, that uh, you can't take the punishment that Diesel will give you tonight. How do you address those skeptics? Well, the skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. 
Uh, right, next up back in the ring, Jake Roberts versus again someone who wasn't announced. Vince called him slimy and sleazy, which essentially described himself, and added he thought he'd be leaving WrestleMania in a body bag. When Roberts signaled for the DDC, there were definitely still some cheers, but he expertly then didn't deliver it, which drew some big boos. Uh, he then finished his opponent off with a short arm clothesline and then a special and then special boys place to the face for the ultimate insult. Mark, what do you think of this short Jake Roberts match? Yeah, his opponent, Scotty Allen, um, got a couple of arm drags in there and he got overall more offence in than you usually see enhancement guys getting in a quick TV match. Um, yeah, he, Jake the heel deprived the crowd of seeing the DDT, uh, finishing it with that short arm clothesline. Um, yeah, like I said earlier, WrestleMania 8 was Jake's last match in the WWF for over four years and it got me thinking about how many others on that show were on the way out of the company. It was... Also, Hogan's last match for a year, Piper's last match for over two years. Sid Justice was on his way out a few weeks later. Um, so there were some big main event names on the way out the door, and it wasn't really surprising that Brett was then elevated to the main event scene later in the year. And you've got to wonder if Davy Boy could have become a bona fide main eventer and future world champion coming out of SummerSlam if he didn't get himself fired so soon after yeah, I don't know. I think there were people ahead of him. I think his promo ability probably would have held him back. But who know, who knows? Who knows? Stu, what do you think? Um, yeah, not not a lot, not really a lot else to add there. To be honest with you, I I described the pin as a little bit more uh, subtle, sitting astride his shoulders was was how I described <laughs> it. But uh, yeah, it's again, isn't it, Jake? Classic, uh, you know, can play the crowd really well and stuff like that. So um, so yeah, it is what it is. Vince said that weekend, the hot new show, Body Stars, with debut. And we got some very close-up shots of some tremendously muscly guys and their various sculpted parts. Then a little Lex Luger promo. Did either you, either you guys ever watch or remember WBF Super... Crikey. WBF Body Stars, what I'm trying to say. Did you ever watch it, Stu? This might have been before your time of watching yeah. it. Even Mark? if it was during my time, I don't think I would have watched it. So, no. Uh, well, there, was one, there was one reason to watch it. Mark, do you remember it at all? I don't remember it being televised in this country. Maybe oh, yeah, was, we got I, it. I just missed it, right? No, I remember uh, some of the names from the WBF because of them constantly being advertised in WWF magazine. Yeah. Uh, there was a guy called Mighty Mike Quinn. So for a while at school, I started calling myself Mighty Mark. And, <laughs> um, uh, but no, I never watched the TV show. So there was a lady, I, I, her, 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 her name is Cameo, but I'm not sure that was how you said it, but I had a massive crush on her, so I would watch WBF, WBF, for God's sake, WBF Body Stars. Why don't they name it something you can actually say? Um, did you know that the second WBF Superstars, Body Stars, what the bloody thing was, pay-per-view drew 3,000 buys, <laughs> and they think that that was the lowest pay-per-view of anything that was ever on pay-per-view up to that point in history. 3,000 buys. It's Unbelievable. Breaking records again. And some people back then, bear in mind, we're in a, we're, we're, they're in a, in a universe where they, they, what, they probably, I don't know what they'd have been in America, 50 channels of cable, maybe, maybe 25. So there have been some people who just bought everything to start something to do. 3,000. Unbelievable. Um, afterwards, we got a promo of Money, Inc. DBS, and DiBiase said, Earthquake and Typhoon were looking for revenge, but all they would get is more heartache and frustration. IRS said some stuff about taxes in April, which was quite dull. Uh, Roddy Piper promo, he said he'd been to a few WrestleManias and he started the first one. He said he was fighting to feed his family and he thinks pink stinks and they'd find out who had the biggest heart and this was absolutely all over the place. Brett was far more measured. He said an old timer talked to him about how tough Piper was and what a good fighter he was, but a good fighter stood no chance against a great wrestler. And the old timer who told him this was his father, Stu. Stu. His father, Stuart, from one Stu to another. Well, one Stu to another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Piper's promo was, was I uh, just put awful. It was just, uh, and and he thinks pink stinks. Well, you know, is he, it was, is he like seven years old or something like that? <laughs> I just thought, I just thought it was an awful, awful promo. Um, and, and Brett always comes over really well in those, those, those types of, you, you know, promos as well. I remember, you know, going back and, and, you know, probably cover this in a future show like you know the build up to owen and stuff like that he 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 was he was really good at, at portraying a story and genuine emotion and stuff like that and does bringing... he sound like a human being 
sound like a human being. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Not not chucking out the cliche like the IRS. They have to pay their dues, followed by paying their taxes or something. Dues on April the fifth and taxes on April the fifteenth, and and all that. You know that. You, and that's what I'm saying that that era was just regurgitation of of the same lines over and over and over again. Whereas, you know, Brett Brett bought. I think Brett always brought genuine emotion into his into his promos and you yeah. you know you, you you fast forward for when he turned heel and in around 96 97 whenever it was do you know what to mean and usak he, he he always brought that genuine emotion in and made you believe so he was so, the best yeah. that's why uh mark what did you think of this yeah i didn't really get into the money ink or running Piper promos but surprise surprise coming from the pro wrestling moment, second biggest Bret Hart fan. I really liked his <laughs> promo. Um, I, I basically, in my notes, I just wrote it word for word, the part about what the old timer backstage said to him. And yeah, it's just, it was quick. It was just, it's not one that's looked back on as a memorable promo, but it's a good promo. And yeah. that's what Bret did every time you could rely on it. A really underrated promo as part of his act that people don't, because his wrestling was so good, people don't speak enough about how good he was as a character. Um, and it wasn't a character. It was him. It wasn't. A, perhaps that's why he was so good. It was just him. It was always him. Uh, I love him. I always will. Um, so next up was a tribute to Hogan set to his real American theme. We got sh- shots from a show I remember watching at the time. Perhaps we got this after WrestleMania. It was a special with Vince in a tux walking through a dark room with various Hogan pictures in the background. He said Hogan was the very core of traditional American values. So... Well, I'm going to leave that alone, actually. And it was only right to go from Hogan surrounded by children in the photo to Hogan surrounded by 93,000 WrestleMania 3. Um, This wasn't the original commentary as Monsoon was with Heenan and Heenan was talking about using hand signals as they couldn't hear each other. But Gorilla started calling it as if it was happening there and then, which was really jarring. Uh, Later, we got the end of the match and Gorilla was doing a better job talking about this in the past tense. Um, a little bit, but still not completely. And it's interesting, they cut Jesse Ventura out of this, and I'm sure that was quite deliberate. Um, then we got a shot of the Mega Powers, as Vince talks about it being WrestleMania first, and they threw back to WrestleMania six, title for title. Again, they'd redone the commentary for this. Uh, we saw the start of the match and the finish, and this is a bit of an odd choice, given that um, Hogan lost. But Vince said on voiceover that he proved in that on that night it was gallant in victory, but even more gracious in defeat. Um, Hogan joined Vince and was asked what Hulkamania meant for him. He said it was a high standard he had to fight every day to achieve. He said he got better every day because of the four demandments of Hulkamania, which were um, shag your mate's wife, take some roids, a few other things, say some pervy things about your daughter and hold some up and coming talent down. Uh, We got a close up of Vince here who had a look on his face that made me wonder what he was thinking. Hogan said he and Sid were fighting for different reasons. He hoped for happiness and peace in his personal life, and Sid was trying to take a shortcut to the top. Vince asked him if it was his last match. Hogan said when he was asked that question, it made him sweat. He said, like, <laughs> so, yeah, so obviously Hogan does sweat. I'm gonna, Again, I'm leaving that one alone. <laughs> a member of the royal family, he doesn't sweat, allegedly. Um, he said people have been saying to him they knew he had outside interest now and others asked whether he could get by Sid. He said thinking about his last match chilled him to the bone. One of his proudest achievements was happiness and success in his personal and professional life. And he was the only one that could make that decision. And right now, he just won't know until he comes out of the ring whether it was that was it or not. Vince then said, thank you for the memories, the inspiration, and thank you for Hulkamania. I have to say, I thought this was great. Again, Hogan sounded like a fucking human being in this, and far more humble than I'd ever heard him before. Mark, what did you make of all this? I've uh, made a lot of notes, but most of them are what you've already said and your opinions match mine. I'll just sift through what I wrote down. Um, yeah, that part in the Hogan-Andre match where they had Gorilla and Bobby record new commentary over it. I, I didn't even think it was the Jesse Ventura thing, but now mm. you've said it, that's obvious. Um, yeah, where Gorilla and uh, Bobby had said they had to work out some hand signals to communicate because it was so loud. Gorilla's reply was, did you ever stop to think that maybe the big guy just didn't want to listen to you? I uh, <laughs> like that. Um, it was very rare and unusual for the WWF to ever showcase somebody who'd left the company and was wrestling elsewhere, But and it still is, in fact. But Andre was wrestling regularly for All Japan yeah. while this was airing in 1992. 
And he had been ever since he'd left WWF the year before. If you want a really depressing time, go and watch some of those multi-man matches from all Japan. It's, it's horrific. Uh, Sandy Beach might be on one of them. Sandy, uh, Sandy Beach versus Andre the Giant sold out yeah. Corrigan and Hall. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, well, after the footage of Warrior beating Hogan, I, I wrote Vince did a completely false and revolting assessment of Hogan's <laughs> after-match reaction, which you've already discussed there. Hogan uh, stole all the new champions, he uh, and uh, Babyface. Even more gracious in defeat. I don't think gracious is the word I would no. use for how we acted there. But uh, credit where it's due. Um, I agree. It was it was a fantastic interview. Um, it was a huge departure from their usual style. Um, with with having no live crowd for him to shout at, Hogan sounded like you said, like a human being talking yeah. like a real person instead of the larger than life character we, we've always been used to um, they created some more intrigue with how he answered Vince's question about is this going to be the last time we see you in a WWF ring and you mentioned quickly there um, a look on Vince's face, is that where he was really really staring deep into his yes. eyes why yes. not yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and Hulk to his credit, he looked genuinely conflicted when he paused and he said he won't know until after the match. I thought I, it it brought me into it at the time. I remember clearly thinking, oh my God, this could be the last Hulk Hogan match. Well, I, I think he probably, I think that was probably real. I, I don't think he yeah. knew at the time what was going to happen because I think he had opportunities at all the steroid stuff. Now, the, the actual trial was was much later, like after he'd already done his, um, his comeback. But... He had, he had lots of lots of things going on outside of wrestling, and if he got a, I don't know what it'd be if he if he'd had a really successful film or a bit like the Bret Hart thing, I suppose even if he'd had, and I think TV was a little bit different. There wasn't the money flying about in TV that there is now. But if he if if someone had offered him, you know, some mega drama on Fox or NBC, I think he probably wouldn't have. Re- he may have done the odd thing, but he never would have been a regular regular person again, like he was later in WCW. Um, Stu, what did you think of all this? I'm going to be really controversial here. I, I thought it was toe-curlingly bad. Oh, I wow. I, I didn't enjoy it at all. Just didn't, didn't get it at all. Um, I think by that time, I think Hogan's character was starting to go a little bit stale, wasn't it? There's only so many times you could you you, you could visit the world in terms of the, you know, the all-American hero um, uh, type thing. So, um, yeah, it didn't really do it for me. Okay. All. No, that's, that's all right. You're allowed. So contrary um, opinions allowed here. I, I was I I thought the I thought the, the the pick of like the warrior match and 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 the um the Andre match I could sort of like get but I I don't know I thought it was I thought it was a bit lazy I think he had better matches that you could have showcased like against Savage at five I thought that was well, a better match I just thought of that while you were about to say it and I think they didn't do that one because Savage was the top top baby face going for the title or number two baby face yeah, going for the possibly. title I think probably so they were a bit but, stuck with that yeah. It, it 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 just didn't do it for for whatever reason it just I know I know it was a bit of a, a a move away from what they normally do and stuff like that but um yeah it 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 didn't do it it didn't do it for me for it's me at the work. time like I said I wasn't a Sid Justice fan I don't think I ever bought Sid Justice as much of a threat to Hulk Hogan compared to the likes of Warrior or Andre or whoever I just thought Sid Justice wasn't very good so it'd be a straightforward match for yeah. Hogan. I think when you look when you look back over Hogan's sort of like like WrestleMania career, he didn't really have a, a, what I'd call a, a. There's only one match that I could think was really for me was a really standout match in Hogan's WrestleMania career, and that was 18. Oh, I don't know. I think Warrior was phenomenal. Yeah, I think Warrior I, was I really good. I like the Macho Man one as well. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen the WrestleMania 5 for a long... I haven't seen that match for a long time, but I think the WrestleMania 6 one, um, I don't think it's... I wouldn't give it five stars, but it's very close. I think that's a phenomenal, phenomenal match, the WrestleMania 6 match. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think Pat Patterson's probably too... um, Pat Patterson and Hogan were the ones that, that did that because I think Warrior, in the right circumstances, could be carried to something pretty spectacular, really, as he was again... What a year after that against Savage in, I'd still say the best. 91. Yeah, yeah. For, for I think um, the the start of that, the start of the presentation of that match with Gorilla and um, Bobby at ringside to the end is the best thing the WF have ever done. And I, I I don't I can't ever see that being 
bettered i would say in terms of the the, the stories and everything the the, the, the multi-year story of randy savage and elizabeth to get to that point i think that was that was amazing people talk about the bloodline savage and elizabeth was what 1986 to 1991 that story mm. that's the best story they've ever done anyway i i can't i'll start crying if i think about that anymore um anything more to add on this because we're nearly at the end of the show now oh. Macho Man next on the Slim Jim commercial. Yeah, promotion, promotional consideration spot with Savage and Slim Jim, which I didn't realise was quite as early as this. Uh, and then Vince was back with Perfect with one final push for WrestleMania. And that was that. This was not quite as 100 miles an hour as some of the earlier uh, go home to WrestleMania shows. But I thought this was pretty good stuff still. I thought that all the key bits were hit. Um, we got a couple of interesting snippets of matches rather than full matches. But yeah, I thought this was enjoyable. Stu, what are your final thoughts on the April 4th, 1992 episode of WWF Superstars? Yeah, it was it was uh, aside from the last bit. So uh, uh, which I again, I apologize for, for just not Don't have to apologize. It, but, uh, it's all good. <laughs> I uh yeah I really enjoyed it you know it's always good isn't it to revisit sort of like uh a lot of this stuff I hadn't seen for 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 many a year and stuff like that and and I, I still really enjoyed WrestleMania eight I still you know it's like that it's almost like when you when you watch it it's like that um the the, the, the arena is almost, it's almost like it was an opaque roof wasn't yeah, it? it was I like know, a, it's yeah very it was special like, looking show yeah it was yeah. it was a a special arena wasn't it and stuff like that um. So yeah, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it. So um um you know, and it, it was good. You know, I think I think the seeing the Roddy and Sean was a little bit of a treat as well because I hadn't seen that for a long long time. So um so yeah, thumbs up for me, big time. Uh, Mark, final thoughts. Uh, I'd imagine for people who started watching wrestling after the Monday Night War had begun in 1995, this style of show probably might not be very appealing. Um, with three or four very short squash matches. There was no in-ring promos, but a lot of backstage ones uh, done in front of a green screen. So on paper, nothing much to get excited about, but being someone who lived it at the time, I was 12 years old at this point. This was everything to me. I got to see British Bulldog throw a guy around for a minute and do the power slam. Got to see an exciting newcomer like Tatanka in action. A match between two top stars in Roddy Piper and Shawn Michaels. Obviously, Shawn was still on his way. And then that dramatic tribute at the end to Hulk Hogan. I bet I was absolutely loving this and I couldn't wait for WrestleMania. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, yeah, I still I, feel the same now. Yeah, I love I love I love this show. We had we had a boys' holiday in two thousand eight to Ironapa and we had a uh, we had a villa and we they had like a place that had a PlayStation, whatever it had been, two, I suppose at the time, maybe three. And I took two DVDs with me and it was WrestleMania seven and WrestleMania eight. So every night, pretty much, when we were getting ready to go out, we throw on a match from one of those two. And like some of the matches at WrestleMania eight, which is repeated over like we'd watch Hogan and Sid or uh, Randy and Randy and Flair. Yeah, I know, I know. It was just (laughs) and then sometimes we'd be out and then one I catch one of the guys and put some of it on they were watching like some random random match from WrestleMania 7 so yeah very fond memories of this time right that is it subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts to get the next episode of the 12 days of pro wrestling moments as soon as it's released thank you all for listening and we should speak to you all again very very soon it's about a girl that I once knew she took my love then ran around Every single guy in town Is that-
Away from a runner around 